All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of the Think Bigger podcast. I'm here with Mikey. Yes, sir. Mikey, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Being a part of the community conversations of the podcast, you know, when we met the first time last year. Yes, yes, yes. Came up with Super Street, right, at the LeMay Museum and had the, you know, the opportunity to see all of your guys' builds, some of which, most of which I already knew of. But not all, or the changes that some uh, made, and yeah. maybe they just hadn't had an opportunity to bring it out yet. Right. And so, you know, what Sam do uh, did yep. to be able to put that together, and, and and it was it was a really dope event. Yeah, it was. And then I see you in your car, <laughs> and I was just like, okay, let's go on over here. Right. And you know, we have a lot of mutual friends. Sure. A lot more than I really knew. Right. And that came to light when we were talking uh-huh. and it got to the point where, okay, cool, everyone speaks highly of you. And then I'm looking at the car and I said, okay, let me lean in. Let me zoom in. Right. Let me walk around. And that's a testament to uh-huh. your uh, capabilities. I appreciate that. Yes, yes. And then when we were talking, we briefly touched on how, where you learn, how you learn, yeah. and that story. And um, I immediately was just like, this would be something that needs to come together in a, in, a, in a manner that can be shared. And I think it's important because your story is amazing. Thank you. So thank you for being on the podcast. You know, a lot of the people up here in the Pacific Northwest, okay, they're already going to know Mike Giga <laughs> yeah. and Mike Andrade, et cetera. But yeah. what, for, what about for the people who are listening? Because a lot of right. the people who listen are not car people, right? right? It's very uh, eclectic. So um, how would you... Describe yourself if someone were to ask, who are you? Right. Um, I would say, you know, it's just for me, I'm just a local guy here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very, I'm just kind of, I go with the flow. Uh, my main thing is helping my community with uh, whatever projects that they have. It's most of my work yes. usually comes through word of mouth. You know, they see a buddy's thing, like, hey, who did that? Who did this? You know? Yes. And I'm always down to help anybody in my community. Yes. The main thing is just, even if I can't help them, I, I direct them to somebody that would suit the need. I see. You know, it's just, like you said, making connections. Um, you know, when I first, you know, I, I didn't really know a lot of people, you know, just like when I first moved to Washington. Did you move to Washington straight from the Philippines? No, so uh, I came to Washington in 06. Okay. So, you know, the thing is, like, a girl brought me down here. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we met up. I was living up in Alaska. I see. So, girl brought me down here. Just kind of, you know, just check it out. And she's like, yes. check out Washington. I'm like, well, this is better than Alaska. Yes. You know, it's not freezing cold. It's not. It's... Did you move from to Alaska from the Philippines? Nope. Okay. So, so I, there's, I, okay. Yeah, there's, there's a little pathway. I was about to around. say, that's a massive climate change. It was, though. From uh, the Philippines to Alaska, but okay. Definitely, yeah. So, just, you know, Philippines and then... Uh, First port of entry was San Francisco, actually. Okay. Bay, South San. Yeah. Um, so my f- dad's family yeah. was pretty much, you know, in uh, South San. So uh, we stayed there for about a year or so. Um, just like any family that came to the States, you know, it's, it's hard to be in a state that's expensive. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so we were kind of like my dad was trying to figure things out. And he was like, you know we got to do something. And so my dad's brother was already up in Anchorage, Alaska. Yes. And, uh, you know, he 
reached out to my dad and said, there's plenty of work here. Mm. Cost of living is low. Uh, you'll be able to, you know, establish your family, have a place. Yes. Um, and my, my parents, you know, my dad was a handyman. You know, my mom was a midwife. Um, so we took the chance. My dad was like, all right, let's go there. They actually paid you to live there. Um, the dividend. So ah, to move to the state. Yeah. So it's the way they, they can, um, you know, pretty much circulate money yes. right um get the economy going but it's the oil money from mm. from the pipeline yes so it's a yearly dividend so it's like you get your your tax return twice interesting so um, and that is to move into the state from another state or what is the so reason for it so you move over there to kind of give growth and okay. you know help the economic but it is more of you have to live there for a year, a full year, yes. without moving out. Yes. And then you, um, the next year you'll get the dividend. Yes. So it depends. It's not a certain amount. It's how much, you know, the state uh, makes on the oil. And okay. They're like, all right, this is how much it will be this year. It could be Understood. like three grand. It's, and it's per head too. doesn't matter if it's a baby, you know. And it's annual. Annual. Okay. So because of that, because your uncle said there's work here. So you guys went from South San Francisco yep. to Anchorage, Alaska. Yes. I so see. we were in South San for a, a year. Yes. So, you know, came to the States in 97. I was 14. Okay. Um, you know, I was just like, I had to, you know, I went to school there for that year. Yes. You know, and learning how, had to learn a new language. Okay, so, I mean, you could decently speak English, right? Right. But heavy, heavy accent, did people understand well, you? in the Philippines, you know, they, they read, write English. Yes. So, but you don't speak it, right? Yeah, you just, you're only speaking, what, Tagalog to your friends, right? Tagalog, Ilocano. Are you Ilocano? Yep. Okay. And I speak another, uh, you know, understood another uh, dialect that my mom spoke. Which one? It's Ibaloy. She's from the mountains, so. But, yeah, like, giving up in everything that I've learned growing up, you know, Philippine history... And then coming to the States, like, we actually almost didn't come here um, because we got petitioned when I was, right when I was born. Yes. And it was a 14-year wait. Yes. And it's a long time. So my parents were like, should we even go? My yes. brother was 17 at the time. Yeah, we have a seven-year gap. So yeah. like, I was 13, he was about to turn 18. And they were like, do you guys want to go? And you know, like, because they waited 14 years. Yeah. And it, it, okay, so I, I don't want to interrupt you, but what you just touched on just right. as part of the story sure. is very important for me to kind of touch on for a moment. Because, you know, obviously, let's jump 2020 right now. Right. There's a series of racial issues sure. and leading up to this throughout our time. Um, you know, there's a lot of immigration, right. inclination, disinclination, right. hate, love. Right. American dream for freedom and, and, but no, but you're taking our jobs. So anyways, the point is there's a lot of like swarming, swirling feelings by some Americans yes, for sure. about that. And what you're talking about, these weights of like extensive periods mm -hmm. of time is what I have grown up with mm -hmm. because my parents came from third world countries. Yep. They petitioned, waited X amount of years at that time, right. whichever the U.S. was allowing in. If you applied at a wrong time and they were mm -hmm. packed, you have to wait yep. an extra year. And I have had family wait 10, yep. 15, 20 years yes. to come over here legally. Right. 
And so oftentimes there's been conversations where you hear a lot of people, especially I'm in Southern California. Right, right, right. So maybe because of uh, Mexicans right. and, and the history of that, et cetera. Sure. So maybe it's a little bit more uh, intense and mm-hmm. acute there. But nonetheless, it's still kind of a, a prevalent everywhere about, you know, I- immigration mm-hmm. and how, you know, y- y- they shouldn't have to, people shouldn't have to wait. Why would I wait that long? It's their right. And other people are like, but it's illegal. You can't just come. Right. And so uh, it's always been a, an interesting kind of thing when I've heard people kind of have that conversation. And mm-hmm. they turn to me and they're like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, wait like everyone else. Because right. our families waited sometimes two decades. Right. You're talking about your family petition, 14-year wait. And when, when you were born. Right. And then when you turned 14... 14 years later, right. it's like, so do we go now? Right. And you guys did it. Right. And it was hard. Yeah, definitely. Hard. And, and prior to that, it. prior to that, my grandparents had to wait too because it was my aunt yes. who petitioned my grandparents and then my grandparents petitioned us. Mm. So I think in total, with my grandparents waiting, you know, I would say, yeah, it was 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, you know, and like you said, you know, it's just, we it's just pretty much you put in, in the application and then if you, they say it's time to go, it's time to go. And you kind of, my parents didn't really, you know, say promised us like, oh, we're going to the States. Sure. We're going to be in a better situation. They always, until this day, my dad, my mom, I definitely appreciate every single thing that they've done for us. They sacrificed a lot for mm-hmm. us. And, you know, they were just like, every day it was like, they almost put it aside. You know what I mean? They try to do everything the best they could back home because, yes. you know, that's what we had right now. They always focus on what's now. Yes. Um, not always, you know, carpe diem, right? Always yes. living in a moment. And that's kind of how my parents did it. You know, yeah. my dad, you know, he did work out of, you know, went to a uh, becoming a domestic worker, uh, went to uh, Saudi for a little bit. Oh, I see. Yeah. For like, I think three years. Um, you was know what hotels yeah he worked in dubai or saudi for like you know just construction kind okay. of handyman kind of okay you so know straight labor labor yeah yeah because um, they bring in a lot of labor sure right 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 so you know he did that just to you know help out because there wasn't you know a lot of things going on back home uh but yeah it was you know the weight part of it i think it, it definitely humbled me you know mm. i feel i actually feel more blessed and I'm not nothing against the kids or the Filipino kids or or whoever from a different country that was born and raised here. Sure. But growing up in a different country uh, and and having the struggles and and not just the struggle, but growing up differently in a in a different culture. Yes. Uh, seeing you know us Filipinos anyway are very family oriented. Yes. You know my neighbors. Or my grandparents, my uncles, my aunts. Everyone's my tita, tito. It's exactly. not just like, you know, over here we call elders, but hey, Bob. Yeah. We don't, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't fly like that. No, no. Hell no. no it won't fly. I was get, raised that way. Yeah. You will get the bamboo stick. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's just, I feel blessed. You know, I, it, it, I think it definitely brings me down. It humbles me. Um and I'll never forget that, you know, from from the day, from as far as I can remember. Yes. And all the way till 
we were leaving, you know, those years made me who I am now with the principles of respect, mm. family, uh, what's important. Yes. Right. At the end of the day, all you have is the, your family, right? The people who brought you to this world, uh, gave you the skills and gave you the opportunities, right? Yes. That the weight, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. A reason. Okay. Um, yeah, there's certain, certain things that, you know, my parents are like, all right, it's time. Do we go? Do we stay? And my dad was like, well, you know, he actually sat down with us and my, my older brother um, and said, well, I think we'll, we'll try it. We'll process it and see how far we get. Because it doesn't mean... Just because you waited doesn't mean it'll go through. Exactly. Yes. You still have to go through the medical part yep. of it, which yep. is always a pain, you know, mm-hmm. especially a third world country. And I, you know, I was a kid, you know, snot going running down my nose. And, you know, so I was like, you always had to go through all this process. A lot of people just simply don't yeah, understand. Right, right. They think it's just, it's not simple. Yeah. And and you're talking about after 14 years of waiting, now you have to still go through more. Yeah. And you might even be denied exactly. after waiting 14 exactly. years. Right. I, I, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. And, and I remember... You know, a, a day or a night that, you know, everybody's paperwork was processed. Mom, uh, older brother was all good. Yeah. And my dad had to bring me back to Manila. Okay. Um, to do a more medical like testing. Okay. Because, you know, I was, uh, I was born premature, eight months, and I was like always, I was like a runt. Okay. You know, I was, when I was at thirteen, coming in, trying to come to the U.S., I was like seventy-five pounds and four foot three. I see. Um, I see. You know, so I was a little bit sickly when I was young. Okay. And so, you know, I remember sleeping at a bus stop, mm. you know, because my dad was like, we're only there for the day, you know, just to get the paperwork done to yeah. come to the U.S. Oh, to go to Metro Manila? Yep. So we didn't have enough money to stay in a hotel. Sure, sure. So we you had enough money to go and, and take care of whatever paperwork we had to do. Yes. And, you know... Then go back home. So you guys slept at the bus stop. You know, I it was hot, it was muggy in Manila's, you know, and I'm I'm laying there and then trying to get some sleep. My dad's just, you know, is he's I can tell he was tired, but he was just like, you know, I was young. He put me on his, you know, on this bench and he said, just just lay down, and yes, sleep. And you know, I'm like wondering, like, why why aren't we in a room like a right. bed or? Because at that age, you're not thinking about no, it. So no, you know. Okay. So, but, you know, I didn't really question, like, I didn't know, you know, like, after a while. And my dad was like, yeah, we had, we had no money. Like, after we sat down, it's like, Dad, I asked him about it. Like, what happened when, you know, it's like, we had no money. Mm-hmm. Like, we can stay in a hotel. We can, we had enough for food. Yes. For our bus tickets. And the legal fees. And, and the, you know, waiting in line. Yes. Lines. I mean, that's all I could remember of the processing was just lines. And then, you know, some people, I get, it's, I, I get it why people get frustrated because they think they have all the documents, right? Yes. And they've been waiting in this Fill out everything. Fill out everything. Get there. You, you don't have this. Yep. You don't have that. Yep. Mm. And then they get turned back and they have to come back Come again. back. Get back in the line. Exactly. Yeah. And, and those lines are not, they're brutal. They're not, oh, yeah. They're not like, you know, I mean, some people is like, you know, I, I don't know. I've never had an ID and... In SoCal, but I know the DMV over there can sometimes be yeah, pretty man. brutal. But mm-hmm. it, it was that type of environment. I was like, man, is it worth it? Mm. You know. But my my parents pressed on, and you know, and I appreciate that they did because 
you know, they wanted to give us a better opportunity. Yes. Um, give us the future that they didn't have yes. back over there and the opportunities that they didn't have, I should yes. say. So, yeah, I mean, till this day, those struggles and little, you know, ups and downs, uh, definitely, definitely. But, it, it, but see, the way you're speaking about it, you there are many people who've had some amount of similar story. Sure. Hard-working parents, whether they were from poor or right. wealthy backgrounds, they're still hard-working people. Right. But you can see that for whatever reason, mm -hmm. that particular perspective is gone right right and and i'm not there are people who have allowed it to completely disappear mm -hmm. and then some who it's just more they've acclimated to living sure comfortably right right and um and then they're the ones who just go all out spoiled now right right right, right. but you know it, it's it's powerful that you've maintained that mm -hmm. that humility you know and it's it's very similar with me so i was sure. born here but my mother's from the old school right and i was raised the old way right okay like like i was raised yeah back the, on the island okay yeah. and um and so in a way that even the elders here mm -hmm. they don't think i was born here right because of the like, way oh, you're certain things for sure you know like sure. manong and, yeah, and stuff like that and they're yeah. just like that's not very typical of a of somebody was here yeah but it's the same concept and i relate to it to a certain degree because you know they came here for a better life right so the american dream exactly. existed and it's sort of not really as what it was so yeah. they came here fought struggled yeah. you're talking about a tropical island yeah to south san francisco which if it's winter time is super cold right and then anchorage alaska right right and anchorage alaska does not get hot no i mean what is summer there so summer, I mean, you, you have the 24-hour daylight. Like, right. you heard about that. Mm -hmm. so, like, yeah, I'm aware. But, yeah, it, it's just freezing cold for, I would say, nine months out of the year. Okay. So so you, literally snowing nine months out of the year? It, it, I think it's frozen. You're pretty much in the freezer. Okay. Uh, you know, you have, you have four seasons, right? You have the spring, but it's not really spring. Everybody's car just get, you know, just look like they've never washed it for, like, sure. two years. Um, it, it's just a different... I went from, like you said, tropical. Yes, yes. To a freaking igloo. Yes. You know? And uh, it was my first time seeing snow. I remember we, my dad actually uh, flew us up there, um, you know, got a space for us. It was December, right after Christmas. I remember December 26th, uh, I think, as, as my mom oh, and so I. So you landed and just saw not just the first time, the most snow yeah, ever. ever. Right, just snow everywhere. It was like five feet tall, just you know, white, white. Everything crazy was crazy. Jump from that's yeah. wild, right? And I was just like, man, you know, first time seeing it. Yes, you know, I mean, from the Philippines, you know, you're my. They, they, never seen anything like it. Sure, sure. And you get out the airplane. Dad picks us up, and he's like, "All right, so what do you think?" I'm like, "This is cool." <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's cold as hell, but yeah. it's cool. You yeah. Know? Uh, takes us home and, and my birthday's in like a couple days after it's like okay i'm a, a december baby so you know he was like prepared all this like king crab legs i was like whoa they never had anything seafood, like, right? like seafood mm -hmm. all this good stuff like you know it was just cheap back in up in alaska for sure they have, they have salmon they have king crab legs yeah whatever you want but yeah i just i remember like man all right well this is gonna be the new life and then you know my cousin uh, my 
family in San, San Francisco are like, you guys are crazy for moving up there. But my dad, you know, definitely just, you know, being the father that he is, he wanted to make sure he takes care of his family, right? I think any father would do mm-hmm. the same. Well, any good father. Right. Let's uh, <laughs> yeah. put the word <laughs> yeah, good in there. There you go. There you yeah. go. Yeah. And so he, he just, I remember him working two jobs, you mm-hmm. know. He worked at a, a cannery, and then, you know, my mom was like... And straight labor with his hands. Labor, yeah. Um, and so we kind of just established ourselves there. And then my older brother, actually, before... He didn't come to uh, Anchorage with us because he was about 17, turning 18. Yes. And he uh, joined the Navy right out of, like, two months after we landed in uh, San Francisco. They, he could join the U.S. Navy? Yeah. So okay. he was, he was a, turning 18 and he joined the Navy right away. They recruited him, sent him to boot camp. So we got separated right away. I see. I didn't realize because he's not a citizen. He's just came over. Right. But he could still join. But that's the fastest way you get your citizenship is joining the military. Mm-hmm. Even now? No, that was then. That was then. I don't think I, they do that I, anymore. I really sure don't know if they do yeah. that now. Okay. But my brother, you know, wanted, you know, to join and he had you know uh, my sister-in-law back home you know they were they wanted you know she, he wanted to bring her here sure, so he, sure. he joined the military and he actually just retired he did 22 years 22 years so I have I have a lot of close yeah. friends um, my godson's father yeah um, he's Navy life yeah. life life sure. And his father, lifer, you know, 20, 25, 30 years. Right. So I get it. So your brother just went in yeah, so, and yeah. stayed in. He stayed in. He, I remember he got stationed in Japan. So I was like, man, that's cool. He was like telling me about the cars over there. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he had like a A86 and he was telling me about, you know, driving a CTR. I was like, man. Oh, so your brother from being brother. stationed in Japan and, and he had a Hachi, he had an AE86. So these stories, that was your first exposure to Japanese car no, culture in the U.S.? It, no, it was. So when we landed in San Fran, my cousin, yeah. I, I think, which I talked about with uh, the Super Street um, issue with or my the online yeah. with my, my car, I yeah. talked about my cousin briefly. My cousin Edward, um, who was into, you know, imports and I wasn't, I landed, I'm like, what are these, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a you know, idea of, you know, I've always liked cars. I've always liked, you know, back home is a jeepneys, right? Yeah. And so, uh, I've always wanted to tinker with things. I've always wanted to work with my hands, but yeah, going, cause we stayed with my grandma in San Francisco. So we, okay. uh, I saw my cousin almost like every weekend or, yeah. you know, there's days I would stay over there at their house. My aunt would be like, you know, just sleep over or whatever. Yeah. And he was a couple of years older than me. Okay. And he he had all these magazines. Okay. And he was a collector, comics, uh, you know, toys. Yes. You name it. He had double of everything, maybe triple. Okay. So he had like Super Street magazines to like hot uh, import tuner. Yes. Like double of everything, right? One to read and one to stash. One to stash. Because he was a collector, you know, he like like just had everything. Yeah. The way he wanted, and so I go flip through and you know I was like man these are really cool I see I see and he for that first year that we were there you know he started taking me with him everywhere you know they're like oh this is my cousin just came from the Philippines yeah you know kind of showed me the ropes so to go hang out with his friends yeah, and stuff and they out. all had other kind of fixed up cars it, 
Well, he he wasn't driving at that time, but he had friends who had like you know Civics and okay, you know Accords and you know we he would take me out. And the first time actually, I went. Uh, he took me out and we saw some street racing. Okay, and so San Francisco, San Francisco. Okay. So first, that was like that's cool. Mm. I was like, I like this. Yes, yes. And you know, it just kind of kept from there on. Um, I, I wanted to do something in, in that kind of realm of stuff exactly yeah and so i'm like all right i'm hooked okay and you know it's flipping through flipping through and then we moved when i moved to anchorage yes you know my cousin and i still kind of you know talk here and there yeah you know try to you know connect whenever we could um you know through you know either calling or you know AOL? AOL. Yeah. You know, 4.0, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, the dial-up. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he's pretty much kind of the first one to kind of get me into, you know, the Hondas. and. So you were what, 14, 15? Uh, 14. 14, right? You came yeah. over, see the cousin, and that's the first exposure. Right. So were you able to do anything with that in, a, in Anchorage? So there is, actually, if you... Yeah. There's actually a... Uh, pretty big you know scene i would say yeah okay in summertime you're pretty limited so it's it's kind of like the way our community here in washington and alaska is you know we have build season we call it Mm -hmm. because it's winter time you can't really do nothing outside everybody's prepping for like the big nice summer everybody goes out and racing and you know that that was something that you know People did over there. Yes. And, uh, you know, I kind of surrounded myself with friends who had, you know, I met people there. Various types of cars. Various types of cars. And, you know, they like to go and race and do some mods and stuff like that. And my first car was an 88 Accord. Okay. Uh, My dad saw this white 88 Honda Accord on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And he was like, do you want that car? Yeah. I was like. At that age, you were like, I want any car. Sure, sure. You know, I was I was learning how to drive. I had friends kind of like, all right, you know, teaching me how to drive stick. Mm-hmm. So it was good. Um, I was like, yeah, dad, of course. And then he goes, but you know, typical Filipino. Yeah, but you're going to have to pay it back. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I remember I was 14. They signed, you remember you had to get a parent waiver to work. Yeah. Because you're underage and, uh, you know, I'm over there working at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to school and then, you know, work four hours after school. Yeah. And all my paychecks would go, go to, to your, your dad. You go to your dad. Because he said, you know, it was like, I remember it was $1,200 and $1,250 mm-hmm. was the price tag on that. And he bought it, you know. He saved up and so bought it. he bought it, it for you. Before I could even, that. before I had a license. Yeah. Right? So I was 14 going 15 at that time. And uh, he was like, well... Uh, it was manual. I was like, perfect. I've always wanted to, you know, drive a manual. And okay. So kind of sat there, had, you know, a buddy was like, ride with me and kind of take it up for a stroll and worked, paid that, you know, paid it back. And that was the first car that I, you know, started doing some stuff to. Okay. Um, I was about, yeah, 16 at that, yeah, going, yeah, 16. And, you know, I was like, straight pipe exhaust, you know. Yeah. I remember I was like, 
Man, cut everything off and scream what it sounds like. Yeah. Just as loud as I can be. It was obnoxious. It was totally yeah. like ear piercing, right? Yes, yes. I remember like high school, I would drive and everybody would just like start revving their engine. Of course. Like, I sit over there and just floor it and just like <laughs> everybody's looking. And now thinking back, I'm like, they're probably like, man, that guy is so, so annoying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, but, um, too bad there's people who will always be like that. <laughs> true, true. Um, but yeah, it was like, that was the first card I, you know, looking into the magazines. Okay. Um, I've always wanted some Advan, some some uh, Aris Akimoto. Okay. Intake. Intake, yeah. And then um, the first exhaust, like muffler, that I could afford at that time was a five Ziggin. Yeah. Fireball. Yeah, those are so dope. <laughs> so, you know, I I went to, it was an audio um, place, actually, in Anchorage. Okay. Um, which they kind of sold audio and uh accessories accessories okay. you know they had you know steering wheels they had some sure. mufflers intakes uh this is when what 98 yeah 99 kind of getting into the whole you know everybody's kind of body kits were pretty sure. popular at that sure. time um bomex kits yeah. um you name it and i just remember over there i'm like I I worked and saved up enough money. I actually went to go check it out for see how much it is, right? Because Alaska doesn't have tax, right? It's like Oregon. Okay. And so, like, all right, I looked at the price. You know, I'm like, I'll be back in a week. Okay. You know, man, straight up, like, pulled out the cash like I was a big baller. It's yeah. Like, I want that muffler. Five Zigan Fireball. Five Zigan Fireball. Yeah. Let me get it. Yeah. And my just straight, axle back, right? Just that, just you know, just yeah. the muffler axle back. Went to the muffler shop like down the road. And the guy's looking at me and I was like, do you want this on there? I'm like, hell yeah. It's <laughs> like, dude, like, why not, right? <laughs> so he welds it on and yeah. And I was like, all right, man, I need, I need an intake. Yeah. yeah. But you know, what's funny is the car was carbureted. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, I can't even put an intake on this thing. It was carbureted. It was like, dang, I just realized all this is like, my, my one of my buddies were like, it's carbureted, bro. I was like, it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was like, I was like, you know, I'm pretty. There's no intake. There's form. no intake. Like, it's like, what is this big like plate looking thing yeah. here? You know? Yeah. It's like that's a carburetor, bro. It's like what? <laughs> it's like, can we put an intake on it though? What does an '88 carbureted Accord with a five Zigan Fireball straight pipe sound like, dude? I don't know. It was I was revving that thing. I, you know what? I'm pretty. Surprised actually it didn't blow up because I was just letting it have it. Every time I drove it, you I was just going to red line. Oh, red line, whatever. <laughs> I'm shifting through the gears like it was a Ferrari. Yes. To me, anyway. Yeah. And you never blew it up? No. And then I actually had that. I did all the, you know, painted all the moldings because it was like, you know, had a black molding, yeah. door moldings. Um, I put a Sony Explode stereo deck, yeah. deck on it. I was like, yup. You know, I'm living up, life. <laughs> upgraded the uh, speakers. Yeah, and that Accord. Remember when the auto seat belts would would slide slide on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. try to like strangle you. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't ready, yeah. you weren't ready. You're like, oh man. Yeah, and then sometimes like it would it'd stop working. It would like, just was just stuck there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was like, man. All right, so I like do some interior. You know, put a shift knob. Yeah, you know, little things here and there that kind of like made it my own yeah you know and i had buddies you know that would go back up to the philippines and buy some like 
lights. Yeah. And like, I remember putting this as a kind of like a third brake light. Yeah. Okay. And it would flash when you like link it up to your uh, brake lights. Okay. It would just be like a flashing light. Yeah. And uh, I remember getting pulled over for that. Cops like, what's that light for? Yeah. And I was like, it's my third brake light. Like, <laughs> he's like, I don't think it's supposed to flash. <laughs> and it was flashing green too. Oh. <laughs> So that's the only color. Like it didn't even flash red. No, it was like green, you know. So I was like, that, everybody had neon glow. Yeah, so it was yeah. Super, pretty popular in that. And then you know, oh one. Yeah. You know, it was Fast and Furious. You know. Oh, yeah. I remember taking my Accord, going to the theater. All my buddies were like, "Yo, let's." We just all of our my car buddies at that time that we've met, I've met through school and just hanging out. Through, yeah. You know. Filipino community back up in Alaska is, you know, in Anchorage. Tight knit? It's pretty tight. You know, we played, they had a basketball league, all Filipinos. Yes. Just straight up Filipino league. Or you could be like quarter Filipino. Well, see, because, okay, people who don't know or don't have friends don't understand how serious basketball is to Filipinos. Yes. Basketball is serious. Yes. If we were like, everybody was six foot three. Yeah. We'd probably be in the league. Yeah. Somehow. Somewhere. Somehow. Yeah. And, you know, my brother actually was pretty good. My mm. older brother. He was, like, the only Filipino to make it in the Navy League. Oh, he played in the Navy League. Okay. For a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's pretty good. Uh, growing up, he the basketball was kind of our, like, you know, I followed him everywhere. Mm. Holding the ball. I was the younger brother holding the basketball on the side of the uh, basketball court. You know, I waiting see. for my older brother. But, yeah, no, basketball definitely is a pretty big thing. But... Yeah, you know, going back, I was, you know, gathered all the buddies and like, all right, we booked like, I think it was like, it was a Thursday. Usually when they come out with the first, like uh, the, you know, it doesn't, it usually comes out on a Friday, but Thursday, like late night Thursday, I think you can, you watch it like the first show. Okay. It was like late at night. We all bought, bought tickets. The yeah. first showing. Yeah, first right. showing. Yeah. It's usually like around midnight, I think. I think so, yeah. So, you know, all my buddies, we parked all the cars out there. Like, man. Then before that, we knew we were going to go to the movies. And there's not a lot of things to do up there anyways. Right. You know? um, but it came out. It was like around summertime. There was no snow. There was no... It was nice up in Alaska. And you were hooked. We were hooked, right? And we're like... When you guys left that parking lot, did you leave like maniacs? Oh yeah, it was everybody was like, Bruh. and I had the straight pipe, you know. That's when I had my five zigging fireball over there. I was just like, so you're trying to make everybody fireballs. was just like <laughs> revving their engines, getting out of the oh, movies because no. everybody was pumped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everybody was like so pumped, and then from that point on, it it kind of took off for me from there. Okay, you know. And then uh, seeing Kui uh, R J Devera in that movie yeah it was a pretty big thing for me okay. meeting him in yeah, person super street yeah Let last me. year that was a cool like full circle for you it right? was it was definitely a full circle for me and i never thought doing the things that i do now with the passion that i have for the cars that we drive and and connecting with the people in my community yeah and you know being even considered to be in that I, I, I wouldn't say group okay but it's just I never thought I would be there yes um, just because I'm doing what I'm doing I, I didn't think it would take me there yeah um, I didn't think it was a possibility you know mm-hmm. I just I just built Hondas I just wanted to have a, 
clean car. Yeah. You know, I've always wanted to go fast because of, you know, the way I was, I perceived, you know, drag racing. Okay. And at an early age, it was like drag racing. All I saw was drag racing most of the time for me. Yes. Um, there was other types of racing that I enjoyed watching circuit race and F1 and all of that. But the, the drag racing is just, that short amount of time, you know, it's funny, like Toretto was saying, and that show, <laughs> it was like 10 seconds, I'm like, damn, man, 10 seconds, okay? Yeah, back then, for back, sure. Back then, it was probably like 18 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but in that moment, you know, you, you definitely adrenaline, right? Yeah. You get the adrenaline rush, and you, you definitely, you have to love it, right? You have mm-hmm. to like it, you have to love it, you have to definitely be into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just full circle, and, and, it was amazing, you know, and I just kind of, I smiled because I'm like, when I seen him there, Cuyarja still looked the same, you know? <laughs> I was yeah. like, hey, they were like vampires, man, you know, like, you know, Filipino blood too anyway, but uh, yeah, it was just an, an awesome and and just blessed. So that's, that's your cousin is in San Francisco, then you move up there, there's a, there's a scene there, yep. your father gets you the accord, yep. you start doing the things to that, yep. but where in that process did you end up coming to Washington? So, right, after, after I was in Anchorage for about seven years, or six, ah, six okay. years, so we lived up there until I was about, through high, throughout high school, Yes, um, and then... I sold the Accord to actually a, a guy that was going to the same school as me. Okay. And remember, my dad bought it for like $1,250, yes. right? And I put a little bit of my money in it. Yeah. I remember this kid just came up to me and he said, I want to buy your car. Mm-hmm. And at that age, I was like, uh, okay, yeah. sure, whatever, you know? I was like, huh. he's like, I'll give you three grand right now. I was like... Shoot, I told my, I was like, Dad, somebody must have bought my car for three grand. He's like, but I was like, what are you doing? Go sell it. <laughs> He's like, make some money. And I was like, all right, well, how much was the five second fireball and the street five results? I was like, whatever. Yeah. Right. And so, and I sold that. That was my first car. And then I actually got into uh, DSM. Okay. A lot of people, uh, when I moved to Washington, I had a, a 98 GSX. Uh-huh. All wheel drive turbo. Just like. In the Fast and Furious. I see. But, you know, I know the Fast and Furious was front-wheel drive, but I was into DSM. I bought a 91 Eagle Talon. Yes. After I sold my Accord. And that one kind of actually, you know, took me even further into the in the tuner world. Yeah, yeah. You know, I bought a, a body kit for it, mm-hmm. you know, and it didn't even fit my car. It fit a 90 three or 92 it was where it was in a flip-up headlight okay and i had to flip up headlight and at that time i had a buddy up there too who was you know really we were both into dsms you know yeah yeah like, oh man evo species engine 4g63 like, yeah man we're we were in it you know i was like no car, those are dude those are yeah. cool cars i had a couple friends with gsts and gsx's like 20 years ago yep. and they smoked Every of the front wheel right, drive cars, right? Because they just hooked and were gone. Right. And they look good to me too, so yeah. I'm, I get it. Yeah, it was you know two door, and, and you still had the strangle. I still had the strangle uh, seatbelt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just did everything. To that. I remember I bought it, and my dad was like, oh. "I was like, if you really want it, you know, 
and that car actually was a kind of a headache because like you know somebody wasn't being honest to me when they sold the car okay. they had like a lien on it and i didn't know uh, the bank was calling me i'm like no man i bought it from this dude yes yes but anyway i ended up keeping that car for a while you know from from hks exhaust to you know the whole body kit everything and yeah my brother got stationed in anchorage too so we, he came and and stayed with like in the same state as us after uh japan mm-hmm. and so you know he brought some stuff over he had some wheels from like a van or something okay and then he was like hey i was like let me try it out on my talon here okay and put it on it's like oh it fits you know same lug pattern i'm like all right this, this can work yeah and and he was like all right i'll let you have it you know so i was like cool and from there on just kept moving on and i blew up the motor okay and you know i was like damn my dad's like well my car was down you know i had to figure out how to you know get around and for a while there i had to like either make it a daily driver or buy another car so i had to like get a, a beater yeah and you know i i don't even i think i borrowed my dad's car for a little bit because my mom didn't drive right so i had to either chauffeur my mom or take my dad to work or yeah. something like that you mm-hmm. know and i ended up buying like a jdm motor for it okay yeah, saved up enough money to i think i loaned it from my dad actually i was like dad like can you buy my motor and yeah. uh, you know pay save it back yeah, yeah pay it back and he was always kind of like I didn't think of it now, but he was always supportive of me doing things. Yes. Because that's when, I think, when I was really getting into working on my own stuff. Like, I started doing all my my engine work. Yes. You know? Uh, you self-taught. Self-taught. Okay. You know, I mean, I had buddies that were like, all right, this is what you do. Sure, you know, sure. But, but doing it, you know, doing all the, the engine swap. And, yeah. You know, all of that. I had a buddy who was like... You know, Mark up in Alaska, he was, he's really, he's a technician now, but him, him and I were just like, like, well, maybe we have to remove this, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of it is trial and error, yes. like, obviously, yes. but, you know, kind of escalated from there, um, just, you know, got into it and yeah, fixed the car up, um, drove it for a while, took it to track a few, you know, more than a few times and, you know, I just kind of after owning it for about three years or so, I was like, ah, time to move on. Okay. Know. And then that's when uh, I met a girl up there. Yes. And she was from Washington, from Auburn, actually. And, you know, kind of hit it off. I was like, all right. Well, I was working at that time. Uh, I was an apprentice okay. for a uh, diesel um, equipment. Okay. So... You know, I was already turning wrenches from like turning wrenches on cars to learning these, from diesel like, machines, diesel like equipment, you know, yeah. from excavators to you know, big loaders. Okay, which I never thought it's something that I'd, I'd enjoy or like. Okay, to but as far as work, you know, it was something like, well, this is cool because I, I learned a lot, you know, from hydraulics, um, it which all my mechanical background is based off now. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of the heavy equipment. Yeah, knowing how things work. Yes, um, and that definitely pushed me to where I'm at now. So, you know, kind of left. I was like, "Man, do she was like, well, do you want to come down and visit Washington?" And you know, she was going to college up there. Uh, I was already out of school. Yeah, 
and it's like all right i got i have nothing to lose you know yeah. it's like, so came down and visited um i think around same time august september so it was all like right. perfect weather perfect weather yeah you know and so i'm like all right this could work and yeah so i went back up there and she had to go finish another semester or so and so we kind of lived up in anchorage and then summertime. so she was a uh, university of Anchorage, Alaska. Yeah, Anchorage, yeah. Alaska. Okay. So, yeah, she was going to school up there, and she was working, and, you know, just kind of, we were like, all right, well, let's see if this can work. Yeah. And she kind of <laughs> gave me a choice. She was like, well, I'm going back home. And, to Washington. Uh, to yeah. Washington, and uh, if you want to come, cool. If not, then we're going to have to figure this out. Sure. Right. You're young. And you're like, I must go with the woman. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was like, oh, man, this is a pretty girl. You know, you're like, I got to go. Right. And so, yeah, she moved me down here. Uh, 06. Uh, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have I didn't even have any family. Zero. Right? Zero. I didn't. Even, just her. Just her. Understood. And I didn't. I didn't even know a shadow or a soul. Not a. I didn't. Nobody. Okay. And so, yeah. 06. Moved down here. Uh, shipped my car, um, which I had the uh, the Eclipse. Eclipse, yeah, the ninety eight GSX. It was maroon with a peanut butter interior. Okay, okay, <laughs> but I did have a wall valve, an okay. RFL, really fucking loud one. <laughs> I see. So you shipped the car. Shipped the you car. Moved down here. Pal- you're, yep. You're with this your girl. Yep. New state. No, not one person except her. Exactly. Oh, what? Is, how did you adapt? Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. Uh, I guess I would call myself personable or yeah. approachable, and you know, just kind of. Um, she had you know her brother's friends. I guess they were all into like motorcycles and all that stuff. Okay, right? and so kind of just started hanging out with them, and then I met uh, you know his name is Mike Johnson. He's he he's a friends of uh, he's into Honda's too. He had a dull soul back then. Okay. It was like it was on five lug, two K wheels, so it was it was pretty. I was like, all right, this is something I can. And then I kind of started hanging out with him. Okay. And then you know they're like, hey, you hear about this like Kent Street races? I'm like, no, no. Uh-huh. They're like, you should go check it out. And yeah. I was like, all right. So kind of took my Eclipse down there and then parked at this gas station and I met some more people, yeah. friends of his, that became like real good friends with me now. Okay. So. That's kind of how it, the car scene, the cars, uh, expanded my, uh, my, you know, your social network. my social network and yeah. the people that I met through cars are now my really good friends and, mm-hmm. you know, and then a couple obviously like you meet another Filipino dude and you're just like, oh man, you kind of, you know, you relate on that level. Relate, yeah. How, so, how long did you guys last? Uh, a couple of years. Okay, so a couple of years, yeah. and by that time you had created a social yep. network for yourself, so it wasn't like you're going to be alone. Right. Right. You had friends. Right. I had and friends. And you just decided to stay. Yeah, I decided to stay. She was. She was actually. She was like, you know, I can cover all the cost of moving you back up to Anchorage, Alaska. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? I was like, but you know, at that time, and I, I got a job already here established, yeah. and I was making pretty good money doing diesel work. And, you know, she offered it. I was like, no, you know, I really appreciate it. Thank you. But I was like, I'm not going to fucking negative 30 degrees. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it was just, 
No, I'm good. Yeah, like dude. Washington weather when it is perfect, yeah. it is literally perfect. It, it's it is a gorgeous yes. place to live. And I, Alaska was just I had friends there. Yeah. It, it, at that point in my life, I guess I would those, you know, didn't really have a lot. My family was there. My parents were still up there, uh, so I couldn't say there's nothing to go back to. But I, at at that age, there wasn't uh, something that I wanted there. It wasn't there. You okay. know what I mean? Except my family. Okay. So, you know, I, I told my parents, gave them a call, I said, hey, um, you know, so-and-so and I, are, we're done, and but I'm going to stay here. Uh, I can see, I like I like it here. I like, yeah. I like, the, I like the atmosphere. I like the people. It's something I think I'm going to be here for a while. Yeah. I'm going to call this my home. Yes. Which it is my home. I've, you know, it's, I've been here 16 years. Yes. So, it's like, you know, a lot of a lot of it, meeting those guys and going out to the street races. And this was back when it was hot. Like I don't know, there it, we call it hot when the choppers were out. Okay, yeah. It was like oh six to oh eight. That was like the prime of the Kent street races. Yes. And, you know, the guys were just everybody. And at that point, I I sold my GSX. Okay. And I actually bought that Civic. Ah, the coupe. The coupe. Ah, you bought it all the way back then. Yep. I see. So I've had that since I was, you know, 22. Yes. And uh, from there on... You, just, you immersed yourself with Honda I, World. It, Honda World. <clears throat> and But there was a point, uh, a changing of the way from the DSM to the Honda. Yes. And it, what it was, was, you know, this guy was like, man, I'll, I'll race you. It's like, cool. I was like, man, I got turbo, I got all drive. What did he have? A B16 Civic Si. Coupe. Coupe. So in a B16 Si Coupe, you're like, okay, I'm all-wheel drive turbo. Yep. I'm getting off the line. I'm going to smash this guy. And you lost. Bad. What did he have? Just an all-motor headers intake. I don't know if he was a better driver. Maybe the launch. but The launch. So it was bad. It was bad. So I was like, man... (laughs) What I mean, because the DSMs they did rev, you know, I could you know, at that time. There wasn't a lot of there was some tuning. Yes, yes. A yes. lot of it was FMU. Like yeah. you plug your plug, like hopefully it doesn't blow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give it enough fuel. Yeah, when okay. you look back, the way we were playing with fuel management units, just trying to force more fuel. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, yeah. But we thought that was the only way, like you said. Yeah, my boost controller was from a fish tank. <laughs> you, are you serious? The regulator, yeah. So, you know, stuff like that that you did, like, you know, you know, there was forums back then that kind of showed you how, oh, this will work as a boost controller. Yeah. Will, you know, turn up the boost. Well, yeah, I mean, turbo timers and stuff. I remember the first time yeah. I rode with someone, they closed the door or we're walking away and I'm like, hey, your car's <laughs> still on. And they're just like, it's not though. It's like, turbo timer. Turbo timer. And I was it's just like, like yeah. I see what you, I see what's going on. So, but okay, but because of your time in Alaska, yep. because of the diesel experience, yep. That's what you ended up getting a job in Alaska, uh, from Alaska to Washington. Correct. You're working diesel, making good money, relatively yep. speaking, for your age, yep. for being a new person, etc. So you you unfortunately don't work out with the girl, but yep. it's amicable. Yep. Not just is it amicable, she's down to pay for your expenses <laughs> to move back. Right. I don't even want to go down that road. Well, shout out to her, though. Yeah, shout out to her for yep. being down to do that, which is crazy. Yep. But, okay, so, you, so because of that diesel yep. experience... You have a job, but you lose to the Honda, and you're like, "All right, I'm going going to get right. a Honda." Right. I got. But, but look, a lot of people know how to wrench. Right. 
how and when did it turn into fabrication and not just fabrication but you learning to tig and mig and all yep. of these things but but then okay not just that but then with exotic metals right. titanium inconel etc yeah how did you go from just wrench because a lot of people wrench and will never know how to right because maybe they don't want to they don't have the ability to sure how did you go from all of that so being able to do diesel right. gasoline right dsm honda yep. to metal fab to exotic metal right how Actually, it was, I got hurt. Okay. You know, from the job that I was doing. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big guy. Sure, a sure. Lot of, a lot of diesel mechanics are pretty burly guys, you know. I mean, so those are big. Equipment, yes. Equipment. 75 pound starters. Yes. Too. And in 06, I actually got hurt to where I had to have back surgery twice. Okay, I see, I see. So, you know, at that point, it was like, well, they told me that you can't go back to what you were doing. Okay. And you'll just get hurt again. You'll just, it's something that, you know, you don't retire from. That, that type of job is something that is for people who are physically strong, All right. always, you know, fit and, you know, just. I see. I see. You have to, like, to do the things that you're doing. Okay. And it's not like I wasn't fit. It was just not, my structure is not sure, very, you sure. know, and I probably had, I remember when I was saying, like I said, I was saying I was sickly all sickly the time. Man. Okay. And, and so my structure probably wasn't fit for the job, but it's something I enjoyed. Yes. Right. Um, but yeah, I got hurt and had to have back surgery. Okay. Um, so they told me like, you need to find something um, that you can do. Yes. And while during my time of doing that diesel mechanic work, um, I was welding, you know, I, you know, had some, so like my shop lead like taught me like, Hey, you know, this. I started uh, just MIG welding. MIG welding, sure. And stick welding because it's like equipment, right? Yeah. I mean, it didn't have to be like, it just structurally had to be strong. Yes. Um, <clears throat> you know, so some experience with oxyacetylene from all that and, and just, I was actually a service mechanic. So they would send me out and say, hey, fix this or this is broken, weld that or whatever. So I had that in my, my background. Yes. So I had a structure of how welding works. Um, and then, you know, just kind of, you know, dabbling here and there. And then when I got hurt, um, and I was, I still had my car doing all this stuff. And then, uh, I actually met, I, Stefan through, uh, tuning my car, Stefan from ASP. Okay. Advanced street performance. Um, and you know, I would just go hang just like any shop, right? Like if somebody was there and like every day, almost after work, you know, just kind of, check on your car or whatever. Yes. And cause he was working on my car. Um, you know, he was doing some welding, some headers and stuff. And I still had a B series on my car at that time. Yeah. And also I was just like hanging out there and kind of was like, Hey, you know, I'm kind of into this welding too. And you know, he, he supplied me the, the tools to kind of start teaching myself. Okay. How to TIG weld. Yeah. And then from there on, we grew a relationship to where, you know, I, he, I would go help him out. I was moonlighting almost. Yes. Right? And at the time, I was still kind of recovering from my injury. Um, and so it was something like it wasn't heavy. Yeah. It wasn't heavy work. I was helping a buddy out. Um, you know, I'd call him buddy. But he was definitely was like a mentor, right? Yes. He, he gave me the opportunity to use the tools. Uh, gave me freedom to like try things out, right, as far as welding wise. And then I kind of over, I would say probably like a year or so, you know, I started getting better, you know, to where he was like, Hey, you, 
you want to like weld some headers and oh you mean better well structural integrity was one thing but you mean aesthetically aesthetically sure to where it was like it's something that you know at, at his level he was already so stefan kind of wore a lot of hats too you know he's very he's good at tuning mm -hmm. you know obviously does all engine work he welds okay um kind of jack of all trades um you know i think he's doing some machining now too so yeah definitely he's very knowledgeable you know mm -hmm. and at that time you know i was just kind of getting started yeah so but yeah aesthetically my welds were like getting there to okay. where it's like all right well and then he's like do you want to do some side work you know I'll, sure i'll start paying you sure and i was like shoot why not it, yeah. it gave me more seat time um allowed me to hone my skills and and refine it and kind of elevate it from there sure and and around what year are we now this is probably around 2013 cash okay yeah. 13. So then you, so you have more, more well time, yeah, more well time and more practice and you just get better Yeah, and, and better. Yeah. It's just, it's all it is. It's just like with, with welding, it's like you, you know, you just sit there and it's just, you put in the time. Yeah. You have to have the experience and the time that you're, you're putting into the, you know, your, your craft. Yeah. Just yeah. like everything else, you get better as you go. Yes. If you do it more. You know, you, you know where you're making mistakes. You learn from everything that you're doing. And, yeah, man, it was, uh, you know, I didn't even consider myself good at a certain amount of time. But you always kept your first well, you know, either took a picture of it and then yes. kind of compared to like, you're like, damn, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. You learn, you watch videos, you see other people. And, and the Pacific Northwest is, is loaded with a lot of talents from, for fabrication. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, there's guys out there that I would even consider like, I mean, me, I, I feel like I'm just, I'm okay. I can make, make, make shit happen. I can yes. make things, you know, work. Um, but there's guys out there just straight up killing it. You know? Oh yeah, man. I mean, I, I know, yeah. I know some of them. Oh yeah. Uh, but I mean, I appreciate the humility, but you know, in, in a certain, in a certain subculture here, mm -hmm. you, you've carved out a reputation. Right. Um, and now it's even to a point where you have like a bit of a weight. Yeah, right? I do. You I, have, do. I mean, this is only so much time. Right. But, you know, but that, but see, but Mike, though, yes. there's a lot of people who learn how to wrench or right. paint or right. build or weld. And um, I'm not, I, I don't know if it's a, they just become comfortable mm -hmm. with being good enough mm -hmm. or I don't really know. But, but yet you've gotten to the point now where, you know, you're, the symmetry of the of the beating, yep. right, and, and and not just that, but the design, yep. recess here, right. drop down here, curve this part, right. and it just stands out, right. and it looks great, Appreciate and it. and that's what drew, drew me to your car because mm -hmm. there's a lot of K series, mm -hmm. there's a lot of turbos, mm -hmm. there's a lot, right. but why does one look just somehow different or better right. than another, right. and that's the small thing, yes. right, because the 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 everything else is the same, and you're connecting to it. So it's what you're building that connects to it right. that's going to make it look different. Right. And, you know, the way that you've been able to evolve into that and now, you know, titanium yep. and all these other things, yep. right? Playing with the heat, yep. right? And, and thermal coloring and stuff. Yep. It's, it's, it's really amazing because um, that is straight up work ethic. That's all that is, right? Yep. You have to just want to get better and just sit there and just weld. Yeah, totally. That's totally agree. Totally agree. Um, it's 
the old saying that they say you you get in what you you know what you put in put, well, yeah exactly and and so just you know the time that I've spent in it I feel like it's still not even enough of course yeah you know there's always room right there's always room there's to always get better room, get better there's always room to do things differently um, but yeah man it, it from that working with Stefan at ASP building those custom headers swap headers you mm-hmm. know from and he gave me some freedom to you know kind of get creative okay which I really liked you know, and then at this point in my life, I was, you know, kind of like, all right, this is something that I want to do. Yes. Um, get serious about. Right. And then so I just I, I think I uh, let's say six years or so. OK. Uh, probably stayed with him. Just kind of I was the guy in the back, you know. Yes. I didn't I wasn't doing it for anything. I was just I was doing it for because I loved it and I like to you know, learn, I like to hone yes. my craft. Yes, yes, yes. I wasn't, you know, I mean, I would post things here and there, um, but it's not for the gram or anything. It was just literally, uh, I was first, you know, trying to make ends meet. Um, and then I actually had to work two jobs, you know, because yeah. just to, to survive, you know, to do what I wanted to do. And then from there on, you know, uh, I needed to have like, you know, insurance and all that stuff. So, um, I had, I told Stefan like, Hey, I looking at this place, you know, and I had a couple of buddies who worked at exotic metals. That's the, actually the name of the company. Okay. And, uh, they, you know, they worked there, they worked with titanium, mm-hmm. they built airplane parts. Yes. Right? And so my buddy was like, Hey man, you know, I think you're good enough to pass the weld test and get in here. Okay. So I was like, you know, they, I was like, so how is it? And they, How's the pay? How's this? Yeah. Like, it's cool, you know, but you'll have insurance, you'll, you know, which, you know, insurance is a big thing. Yeah. Health insurance you alone. Know? Yeah, for so, sure. You know, I was like, oh, well, you know, my back, I can't really do anything else. I wanted to, uh, yes, yes. you know, and so, yeah, man, I just I went over there, took the well test. I had a couple buddies, you know, like give me some uh, pointers. You know, I've never really welded titanium. I'm always stainless and some aluminum. Yes. And they were like, yeah, and this is what you got to do. They gave me some samples to like try out. Yeah. So it was cool, you know. And you were able to pick up on it. Yeah. It's different metal, but it's, you have, if you had the structure on how, you know, to work with metal on how to TIG metal. Yeah. Then you'll figure it out. Okay. For sure. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, takes a little bit of time. Yeah. Just like everything else, you're learning something new. You're learning with the, dealing with a different type of material. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I took the well test and then, you know, Got in. Yes. And and that time I was welding in both places. And you're talking about eighteen hour days of just straight welding. Yeah. <laughs> I was welding, you know, for for Stefan and I was welding at my work. Because I work, it was like a second shift, you know. So you were going from stainless to titanium. Yep. Stainless to titanium. Yep. Header to Yep. To, to airplane parts. Airplane parts. Crazy. And so, you know, I would just hours and then I would, you know, come home my eyes like, oh tired for sure you know for sure but knowing the the custom fabrication for the headers and it was nice to when you go there they send you to like a welding 101 okay which i never had because i'm self sure taught on a certain amount and it had pointers like i said that you know stefan showed me the ropes but going back to the basics of uh just welding Right. And then going through this class, I've learned a lot already from this company. It was like, just took me in, hired me, and then 
give me the training. Right. That was part. That was part of the job was to give you the welding 101 to get certified. Exactly. And what year was this? Uh, this was 13 going to 14. 13 going into 14. Yeah. And so you know, I was like, "Cool. This is this is dope. I'm I'm definitely open to free school. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, hey, it's free knowledge. Yes. Something that you know I didn't have the money to pay for. Right. Um, but I was willing to do, put in the work. And yeah, I learned a lot and just took that experience and kind of went on and, and dwelled a lot of titanium, a lot. Yes. I mean, you know, with some guys actually, the, it, exotic, the way it works is like some guys there, they, they get hired in as um, like fitters, they would call them and then they would move them up to like give them the welding one-on-one class. Yes. So you don't hire in just a welder. I mean, they'd hire people to, from like cleaning parts to, you know, and if they want to move up, that was kind of the path. Okay. Um, and I was fortunate they had like a welder one, two, they, they yeah. went by, by levels. Yes. And so I started at the bottom, obviously, and kind of got good at certain things. And they kind of moved me in areas to where like I'd start dealing with other materials, you know. Yes. Um, in Canal, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, it's exotic metal. It's, yeah. it's something different that you don't see every day. You don't weld every day. Um, and learning how to do those things and how to prep them and just like paint prep is a big thing for welding exotic metals, you know? And a lot of guys like I would, some people would DM me and, and you know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this. And I would pass on the knowledge. I'm like, Hey, you just got to prep it. Yeah. You know, things like that because they don't know the info, you know, or it's out there, but I felt like not a lot of people give out, information and like, i see for me I, I don't know i was never the one to always have holding a carrot above somebody's head it's like if i know it yeah i'll tell you it okay. doesn't benefit me from hiding it from you i see trying to one-up you because i know more than you i, I mean we're, we're all people man we're all you know if it, it's like the information is already out there it's just this person is asking me directly yeah you know and, and so, so your your thing is I, if I know the answer, yep. I'll give it to you. And if I don't, I might know somebody who does. Sure, sure. Point them in the right direction, you know. I, I've, I've always kind of used that. Like, my mentality has always been, you know, we're all, to me, I'm all equal to everybody. There's, I mean, you know, my knowledge that I know is what I know I've learned, and I appreciate the people that... I've shared it with me. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem sharing that same thing to other people. And I think that that mentality, um, you know, I share everything. I, I really, you know, people ask me about my engine specs. Yeah. I don't hide nothing. I give them my bearing tolerances. I see. You know I what see. I mean? It's like, yeah, it could take somebody a long time to figure it out. But if I shared it, this is what I'm doing. This is what I have. This is what I've done. Mm-hmm. You know, that's knowledge to the, the, the younger, you know, group of guys that are trying to do the same thing that I was doing. Yes. Um, I mean, easily for the guys now that are information out there, you can go to Facebook and make a post and say, hey, how do I do this? And yes, you'll definitely get somebody to respond, right? Yeah. Or just Google it. Yeah. yeah. Google it. YouTube it. Yeah. Yeah. Back then when we were doing it, I mean, you, we were looking at Hamels manuals. Yeah. <laughs> Honda manuals. Yeah. Uh, and going and asking a mechanic, yeah, oh, you know, a friend of a friend, or just trying it and hope you don't fuck it up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which most of the time we, I fucked it up yeah. all the time. Yeah. I mean, it was like I had to learn, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, you almost have to make mistakes to learn from your mistakes. No, but isn't it amazing, right? You come from the Philippines, yep. you go to San Francisco, you meet a cousin who's established and has all these things, including yep. these magazines, yep. one of which is Super Street. Yep. And then, uh, what, 20 years later? Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. You end up being in the magazine. <laughs> yeah. It was always been a dream. I mean, because um, dude, we all grew up on that yes. on on the print magazines, the print. right? And it was the that was the thing. There was, was the magazines like Super Street. It was that was what you aspired to get in. Definitely. And then I come up here with Super Street right. and meet you, and then you end up being featured in Super Street yes. on this entire decades of story yep. that leads up to you being able to have the, well, you've had the coup for a long time, but yep. getting it to this point. Uh, where it's not just an exhibition of your welding and fabrication mm-hmm. capability and, and engine building. Mm-hmm. It's also, there's history, yeah. right? And and then the racing influence from going to the street races. Yeah. And now you're able to do that. Yeah. I mean, um, it's to me, I, I think as long as people like you and I never allow the beauty of that circle, mm-hmm. of that story, don't to, to never forget it for right? sure and, and remain like grounded because of that mm-hmm. then you can't become what many people become right because i, agree. I think human nature there's a, a part of almost anyone that can become narcissistic oh yeah right oh, yeah. and the internet and social media is a sure. very very toxic like way of stimulating that part of humanity oh I totally agree. and by keeping yourself grounded and being um, in awe of the simple things, right? To get to this point now, where the this this established what probably came across as a wealthy cousin who's got two or three of everything. Right. You come to the Philippines, magazines, collectibles, toys, and then cars, and and then you look at these magazines, and it's just so cool how yep. in twenty twenty, yeah, right. You were fourteen then, yep. you know, twenty some odd years later, right. You're here now. You get featured by it, and and then and aside from that there's the respect of your community yep. and your peers, which you can't fake that. That's mm-hmm. real. That's earned. Yep. And that's a beautiful thing, yep. you know, whereas, you know, you're creating these different, uh, you know, crankcase events and overflow tanks yeah. and catch cans and, right. and, and just really good looking setups, little manifolds and everything. I mean, yeah. it's anything. Yeah. That's, it's a, it's a, do your work is fantastic. I appreciate that. And a lot of that stuff actually comes from just, you know, when you don't have, dollars to pay somebody to do it and I, I think I mentioned it before is that my dad has always told me you know if you don't know how to do it you better have money to pay somebody yeah and if you don't have money to pay somebody you better, you better learn, learn how. how to do it yeah exactly and I've always been the type of I, I would say I don't want to stay mainstream if everybody like runs this type of manifold like if that's the only option like why can't I make mine sure it was i've always been i the word custom to me is making it fit what you have in front of you okay right it's like some guys would get this part but then now they have to modify this other piece to make this stay on everything's the being adjusted to each other around each other right to where you know okay i look at my my car or somebody's car and yes that's the biggest thing with me is like guys come up to me that hit me up on, on, on Instagram and say, hey, I'm, I'm trying to do this. Yeah. Right? And that's where the custom part comes from. It's like you're trying to help this person achieve and 
bring the idea to a reality. Yes. Because nobody, nobody is willing to help them right now. Or nobody makes that. Or, you know, somebody makes something like that, but it's not what they want. Right. And, and the same thing with, and, and like, guys would hit me up and say, hey, can you make this exactly like this? And I would say, I said, hey, bro, like, no offense. Like, in other words, replicate it. Yeah. And you're I said, like, no, no offense. Yeah. You know, I said, if it's already out there and guys are making it, yeah. there's no point for me to making it. If you're trying to go cheaper, I said, please don't. Yes. You know, spend the money because then it'll save you a headache later. Yes. I've been there, done that. Yes. Kind of deal. Um, you know, if it's something custom that nobody makes and I really want to help you and you want to get your car to the point where you want to get it running and you want it to, you know, make it make it happen. Yes. You know, so I tell the guys all the time, if it's out there, get it. You know, if it's, it's something like that you like, something you want and it's available to you, mm-hmm. it's not going to save you any more money than me doing it. Mm. You know what I mean? And I... I Everybody, I value everybody's time for yeah. sure. Um, it's borrowed time. Yeah, it's valuable. It's gold. You know, it's so when guys hit me up and want to make things happen, and that's kind of where it's not really a niche. It's something that I I try to you know, make it happen for them. You know, and I think that's what was kind of missing with a lot of you know my my buddy Ron, for example. You know, he knew my background from welding headers. Um, you know, he was at the LMA too. He was the white integral with the... Um, with the Crow House. Crow House. Yeah, yeah, I know. With a titanium header. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was like, approached me, right? And he was like, what do you think about making a titanium header? And I, I looked at him. I said, you're crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I'm dead serious. And I said, you know, it's going to cost some money, right? He's yes. Like, he said, but I have the man to do it. Yeah. And the funds, whatever. Okay. So he was down. He was down. And, and I was obviously like, there is no flange. No. You have to have a, you have to have, may have a flange cut from titanium. Yes. Okay. Just to start. Just to start. And that was already some money, you know. For sure. And and you know finding a guy to do it too. You know I had a connect. You know where I was like, hey man, and some guy wants to get a titanium header made, and yeah. I need a flange. Yeah. And he was like. That's the first. Right. Right? For a Honda, especially. Yeah. Like, I mean, if it's like exotic, whatever. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But, so yeah, I mean, stuff like that. And I was like, I was honored. Yes. And um, just humbled that he would entrust me with something like that. Yes. At, you know, creating something that doesn't exist. Yes. You know, um, I like to spend money, especially if it's not mine. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, it was out of respect for him I was like dude are you sure like I was like man I like I haven't I welded titanium a lot of titanium but never really built something from scratch okay you know it was all like when you're working for somebody they have drawings yes. they have things that you just literally put together yeah you're, you're not welding. fabricating it no. you're welding them together correct now in this case you would be fabricating design them. everything yes you know and he was like I want full titanium header yeah and at that time, I had to make my own collector, had to cut it, you know, weld it, you know, everything. I had, his header is all pie cuts. Right, right. And I think it was like a week of welding and a week of cutting. Because of the pie cuts, I, we didn't, we bought most of them, but I had to cut majority of it. 
Okay. To save some some dollars on yeah. buying pre-cut pie cuts. Yes. And yeah, it was uh I had learned a lot from like being outside of of welding the exotic metals, you know, for a while because I was like you know, I wasn't doing that anymore. I I've left exotic and went to Boeing at that time. Okay. And I was you know, transitioned over and I haven't welded titanium in a while. It's like like, hey, man, you got to give me a little bit of time to practice. Let's make something first. Like, okay. And so we made an intake for him. Yes. You know, and it turned out great. I was like, all right, cool. I'm kind of, I'm back into my element. I'm back to where I, I remember things now, how yes. I was doing it. And yes. What needs to be done. I've always knew how it was done. It was just more of the seat time. Yeah. And so, yeah, we made him intake and he was like, looks great. Yeah. Let's go. Press Let's on. Do the header. Yeah. And, you know, we got the flange made and kind of went from there. And then having the knowledge from... Um, making the headers for Stefan, you know, I knew how runner length and yes. and you know sizes mm-hmm. mattered, and for what the motor is for, mm-hmm. uh, what type of racing he would like to be doing, and just adding all that up, all that ideas in the design, you know, and what would work on the car. Yes, you know, and just making it all come together, and it was like. After that, people were just blowing me up, like, hey, titanium, titanium, titanium. And you're like, as long as you're ready, because it is not cheap. It is not cheap, yeah. I mean, there's guys out there, titanium, they were like, you know, pretty much putting out, you know, a lot of a lot of things, a lot of exhausts that are titanium that are, you know, expensive. Oh, yes. And so I was like, you know, Sure. I mean, if you guys are willing, you're up for the, to do all that, sure. Yeah. Why not? And then from there on, you know. It, kinda, it just blew up? Yeah. It, it was funny, too, because people ask me about my name. Okay. They're like, Mike, Ty, like for titanium? Yes. No, but or it was Tig? Like, yeah. It was Tig. Yeah, it was, it was Mike for, you know, and then Tig. And then A is actually my last for name. For your last name. Exactly. But because of the Filipino thing, that's why I call you Mike Diga. Yeah. It's Mike Tiger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's Mike Tig A. Exactly. I see. Exactly. I see. So, yeah, just to kind of clarify that, it was, you know, coming up with the Instagram name is a little bit, you know, you're like, <laughs> what? Sure. Mike. So that's what it is. Yeah. Mike Tig. Yeah. That's why, like, people are like, Tiger? I'm like, no, it's Tig. Tig. And then Andrada. So, but yeah. everybody's like, Mike Tiga. Like, sure. I'll go with that. Whatever, whatever works. Just you know, just like my aunt when I first arrived, she was she couldn't pronounce my real name, my first my my government name. Okay. And she's like, I'm gonna call you Mike, Mikey. So that's where, that's where you got Mikey stuck. from. It's well, stuck. what's the government name? Melchizedek. Okay. <laughs> so people yeah. here just wouldn't get that right. Uh, no, I mean it gets butchered every time. I, I see. Mean, being in class, you're like, man, they're like, you raise your hand, you're like here. You know, so you you just became Mike. So so Mike that D. the Mike Mikey it was like a nickname given to me yeah. by my aunt just because you know it was a lot easier. It was my aunt said, "Yeah, I gotta have an American name." I see. You know, so but yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's an amazing thing. You know, the the opportunity that someone came up to you and was just like, it's not just an intake arm no. with like a forty five. Yeah, it's yeah. like I want you to make a header. Yeah, all pie cuts at yeah. that time because mandrel bends were expensive okay so if somebody mm-hmm. i mean let's use b series so sure. it might, it's going to be different lengths yeah. you know if they're built not built compression yeah. this but if someone said okay that is the most fire header i've ever seen sure. on, on a b whatever yeah. all right and they contact you yeah and said 
um, about how much would a comparable titanium, all titanium from flange all the way, right. what type, how much would, do I need to be ready for? Sure. So for the B, yes, there's actually, oh, so Blocks made one. And there was yes, a I remember. called Acme made one. Okay. Which is almost identical. Blocks and Acme were like, it looked the same to me. Okay. So I don't know if it was made by the same manufacturer. Okay. Or made by Acme, then sold after. But I think that header was going for... 700? No, it was more. It was like, I think it was 15. Okay. there. But for what I did, and just to kind of give you a rough estimate, I think we were about with materials. And, and here's the deal. Like, Ron actually painted my car. Okay. So that was part of the deal. Oh, I said part so of the exchange. Exchange. Um, so he painted my 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 uh, coupe, and you know I kind of owed him for doing all that work. I mean, he it's amazing, uh, the color, the body work, yeah. the engine bay. You know, I was like, man, I gotta do something special for this guy. You know, and so I was like, I couldn't say no. You know, because I knew he knew I had the the, the talent or skills. And he believed in me, and yeah. I was just like, I need to you know do it okay and so i told him we kind of priced it out and i think we were about three or thirty five hundred into materials just materials yes but i did the header and exhaust also mm-hmm. the full exhaust is titanium um header you know everything but yeah the flange was, was spending man and the flange alone was like six to six six hundred or seven hundred somewhere sure there. Just for the flange. Just I mean, for the flange. The material alone for for that was like four hundred bucks, I think. Yeah, I mean it's pretty thick yeah. gauge. Yeah, like three eighths thick mm-hmm. and you know eighteen inches, and then have to machine it. Yeah, you can't just you know I, I'm pretty sure some co- companies try to laser cut it, but machining it is the only way. It's hard to cut titanium. Product. Sure. Yeah. This my the machinist was like, yeah, I destroyed two of my bits. Bits. Yeah. So, but you, to make it. Yeah, and without labor, I would. Oh, yeah, it was three and a half. Sure. Okay. That's Dude. just to make it. With, Get all the material Without the labor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. See, so, you know, really, there's a time sure. where people have to have a little bit of perspective. Exactly. Right? Like, have you seen the intake duct on my car? Mm-hmm. Right? Through the headlights. Sure. Okay. So I didn't make that. That's a fabricator right. who I respect and trust and seen his work. Right. And I described what I wanted. Right. And, um, and he made it. That's a combination of hand forming, pounding, mm-hmm. probably an English wheel here yep, and there, yep, et cetera, sure. et cetera. And you have the curve of the headlight Real and then fat, the neural yeah. over the edge. Yep. I mean, it is a difficult thing to make, oh, right? Yeah. And people who saw it were like, that has to be just about the greatest, mm-hmm. cleanest, I should yeah. say, um, intake headlight through a headlight duct sure. ever. I said, I was like, listen, I have the idea, but it, that it has to be made by hands. Right, right, right. So my boy Sam at P2 made it. But the point is, um, People said, how much? And I said, you know what? Contact him directly. I'll let you contact him directly. And um, within the first two to three weeks of that coming out, I think, I don't remember where people saw it first. Um, I don't know, it might have been the donut media thing or or some feature. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Anyways, he got a pretty solid amount of contacts about that. But when he told them how much it would be, um, no one was really like, you're crazy. But they were just like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Because... The duct goes, it ducks, but what do you want on the other end? Right. Like, is it going into an airbox? Yeah. Are you trying to channel straight into your turbo sure. or your throttle? Like, what are you doing? And when they were like, 
um, how much is it? And, you know, about 12. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's not that bad. Mm -hmm. And they're like, um, and he's just like, okay, cool. When do you want to do it? And, mm -hmm. and, and at some point, he realized that they think that means the duct and because I have an air box yeah. with Zeus fasteners. Yep. It holds the filter, securely mounts the compressor intake arm, yep. blah, blah, blah. They thought that was for the entirety of the cooling system. Mm -hmm. And he was like, that's for the duct. Like, you know how many hours it takes to make yeah. that? Yeah. What do you it's want on the other end? Handmade. And they're like, oh, well, you know, box similar. Well, you know, I don't have a prelude. I have an EG, EKDC. Yeah. So I really like that sure. arm. And he's like, it's about another 8 to 15, yeah. depending on lengths. And, and they're like, oh, you know what? You know what? Okay, I'll get back to you. Never get back yeah, to yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah. Never. Yeah. Not one out of yeah. like 20 people. Wow. He said so far have actually gone through. Right. And so that's what that's. And normally I wouldn't ask. Numbers. Sure. I only did that so people can have a bit of perspective. If you're trying to innovate, Definitely. if you're trying to go, let's for the lack of a better term, the next level. Right. If which if your innovation by definition hasn't been done yet, mm -hmm. if you're if you're wanting to do that, right, there is no way you can do that without right. being willing, right, to really put yourself out there, whether it be the financially, sure, or if you say I, I can't. Like you said, you, if you if you don't know how to do it, you need to have the money to pay someone. Exactly. And if you don't have have the money to pay someone, you better figure out how to do it. Exactly. And so I I, I only brought up numbers yep. because it's important for someone. Sometimes you have to get someone to hold you by the shoulders for sure and shake a little bit of reality. Into exactly. It because social media is like, well, he did it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. I want to keep up, and you need to understand the reality of that, right? For sure. If you're gonna do certain things, you have to be willing to save up your money Definitely. and pay the right person. Because if you try to cheap out, you'll spend more money in the long run. You yep. won't be happy. And then the person who was saving up while you were spending little bits of your money, who it then ends up getting it done right, they got it done right first, and you're not trying to catch up. Even exactly. though you might have had the idea first. Yeah. But you have to, it's important because people, whether that be sneakers, right. anything. fashion, anything, yeah. anything, right? You can't. You have to have a little bit of reality check. It is not cheap. It is not sh quick. Yeah. It's hard. It's expensive. And if you can't do it, you need to be able to pay the person who can. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, it's always finding the right people. To yes, do. yes. And so this, you know, this area of the country, like you said, when you came down here, um, you know, it took a while to get to get acquainted. Mm -hmm. But now, as you mentioned earlier, there are a lot of very premier sure. fabricators in this vicinity. Oh, yeah. And it took me uh, only one trip up here in mm -hmm. person. I mean, reading magazines, you'll hear, yep. you know, BC, yep. Seattle, mm -hmm. Oregon. So I, I, I would notice that some of these really fire builds yeah. were coming out of this general Pacific North Northwest yeah. region of the country. Sure. Um, from reading magazines and then, uh, you know, I, I, I write mm -hmm. or used to write for all of the print magazines. Right, Street right. Import Tuner, Honda Tuning. So I got acquainted mm -hmm. either as an enthusiast reading the magazines right. or writing the features, okay. et cetera. So I always kind of realized that I was like, you know, because I'm from Southern California. Sure. It's like, yeah, but it just rains over there, right? This is kind of the yeah, thing. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, they have some really, really nice cars. But I came up here once maybe six or seven years ago. Right. And that's all it took. Wow. And I've now pretty much worked to come at least once a year since then. Mm -hmm. And I've developed deep friendships with people and um, the community here and some of the builds here can stand next to anything anywhere 
in not just the country but the world. Wow. There are some amazing cars here. Yeah. And that that Super Street at LeMay event was just a very good eclectic gathering. Yeah. But, you know, like just the Honda community alone here. Mm-hmm. The Honda community alone here has some of the best Honda builds bar none, right? And I and I just I mean, as a car guy, but of course, you know, I have a deeper love for Hondas because that's just what I grew up yeah. being into. But I appreciate everything. Sure. You know, I, it, it was just really cool to be able to to hear about something or someone, but then see it in person, mm-hmm. become acquainted with you. Yep. And now just pretty much exactly a year later, right. coincidentally, I'm yep. back up here. The weather is ridiculously perfect. Yep. It's just so good. Right. And I get to sit here with you and you're now, now your hometown, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, My from hometown. the Philippines yep. to San Francisco to Anchorage. Yeah. A little bit of Hawaii, you know. Okay. Kind of just, you know. Yeah, man. But yeah. Home, and, home is, um, you know, Washington state is home. Yes. Uh, you know, Philippines will always be home. Just For sure. Just born and raised there. Yeah. But as, as far as calling home where I established myself and, uh, where my, my wife and the kids and, we're all, you know, this is home. Yes. Um, this is where I feel, you know, kind of, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, you touched on our, our community, our car scene here. You definitely, I could, you know, I, I went to, um, I had the opportunity to go down and see the, um, uh, the Chronicles. Uh, I think it was 11, uh, like November. Yeah. And, uh, you know, seeing, seeing that kind of gathering. Seeing, yeah. yeah. Seeing the gathering there. Um, and and just definitely like you said uh, i just like places you go with different styles different type of builds mm-hmm. and you know i think yeah the northwest um we've always been keen to clean uh, you know i think a lot of for me on my perspective was a lot of it is like it works right it, it drives it it's just not it's not a show car a lot of guys build show cars mm-hmm. where we like to drive look good have a little bit of power yeah you know have fun with it like a nice balance a good balance of of those three elements yes you've you know you can bring put it park it it looks good yeah you can drive it it looks great and when you push onto the throttle yep you say bye-bye it makes your loins tingle (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah that's the butt dino is always gonna be there you know so yeah yeah, it's, it's you know like you said you mentioned there's a lot of great builds here that fantastic I've, I've you know super street and like seeing the guys here meeting them in person a lot of those guys i didn't even really know um till like later you know I, it's not more of like it's because i was making a name for myself or anything like that but just getting to know those guys through the community of of cars and and conversation and having hey i know this guy also who's yes. interested in this and that and having that same um, passion for for what we're doing. Yes. Um, and, you know, just created a lot of relationships. See, but that's the thing I love about the car community and the car culture is that it is that the cars yeah. that bring us together. Sure. But at some point... It's no longer about that. No, you yeah. develop friendships, yep. even f- like deeper. family. It's yeah. deeper, yep. right? And and I really, really care about the longevity yes. of our community and culture. And without dialogue, mm-hmm. without conversation, mm-hmm. um, and yes, that can be done in in a, in a very efficient way 
online, right? But nothing beats in no, person. Nothing, right? Yeah. That's why I'm sitting here with yeah. you guys. You know, different people. Um, and having the community connections with yep. Nam saying the gathering tomorrow morning yep. in that. person because yep. it, nothing beats that, mm-hmm. right? It's efficient. It's it's convenient to split screen, yep. you know, Zoom or Skype yeah, or whatever. Right, right. And, and that could have happened last year. You're but right. I, I wanted to, even if it ended up having to wait so that we could do this. Right. And, um, and then with, you know my my brothers from Nam saying yep. to put it together so we're going to have what's looking like a relatively large gathering yeah. uh, where yep. people can For you sure. know, to their comfort level some people might want to be spaced out yeah. etc but we get to meet and i think that it's also for the the the, the mental and emotional health oh it's so a sure. lot of very unfortunate circumstances yeah in our lives right now yeah um and so i felt like in many ways it would be healthy oh yeah right and so, I, I mean, your t- like you talked about time, your time, you know, here on sure. the podcast, and then um, my platform allowing people across the spectrum of ages and mm-hmm. geographic locations mm-hmm. to be able to hear. So obviously, the car people are gonna—it's gonna resonate on numerous levels. Right. But people who have immigrated to this country, mm-hmm. people who have struggled financially, sure. people who have have had to come into their own mm-hmm. in whatever career field. Um, and there's a lot about your story that is crucial that that I think is going to resonate in a very direct way with a lot of people, even if it's pieces of it or maybe the entirety of it. Mm-hmm. And that that's why, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to make this happen. And I appreciate you wanting to be on. I, I appreciate, you know, like you said, connecting with everybody and um, just never really forgetting um, the roots. Of, yes. You know, where where you came from. Um, you know, just always, like you said, don't get complacent about, you know, just your life now. But don't forget about the people that came before, the people that had struggled for you. Yes. Um, and sacrificed things for you. Um, you know, I think that's that's what it's all about. The relationships, relationships that I've built now, you know, through the cars, you know, like Ron and I, like, I, he's like my brother, you know, Ken, uh, my, my Kuya. Um, Walter and Al mm-hmm. Michael mm-hmm. and you know meeting people through that and creating more relationships that are deeper and more family based family oriented you know we'll have barbecues and it's not like I said it's not the cars are there you know that's what you know brought us together yes but the relationships that we have now it's it's you know it'll be cherished yes um, yes but yeah not like Walter and Hal Michael, I don't think if they mentioned it, like 2013, we were that on that SEMA, um, the Scion tuner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I absolutely remember that car. Yeah. Absolutely. So, like, yeah, I was, that was my first time at SEMA. Mm. That really opened my eyes of. To the, to the grand world of the, the grand, automotive yeah. scene. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember every day, like, I walked at every single, like, aisle, aisle that I could, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, can't I, get my, enough my, my feet was hurting but man I was like you know this is my first time this might be my only chance yes because you know I didn't know that you had to be sponsored by somebody you had to belong to a buyer or a seller it's or a, yeah. exhibitor yeah, exhibitor yeah. you know somebody so I, I soaked that all in as much as I could yeah and I was very very blessed and you know to be given that opportunity by you know Walter and and just that being part of that build yeah and you know even though you know it's like it i didn't to me i didn't care if 
we placed or whatever. Oh, yeah, one or not. It yet. was like, you it know, was the experience. Experience. I put my heart and soul to everything that I do. And until now, it hasn't changed. And if it's something I don't believe in, and if somebody comes to me to certain ideas and it's like, it, it just won't work, you know, you tell I'll, I'll be, I'm honest. You know? Yes. Like, I can't make this happen. Yes. And I, I if they can't respect that, I know. It's kind of like, sorry, you know. It's, sure. But it, it's something that I have to also be in it, you know, to, I believe. You have in to it. put your heart in it. Yeah. Res- uh, I respect that. You know, and, and, just like you said, like same same thing with the, your fabricator, right? That people were hitting him up, you know, and you, you give him the dollar amount of how much things work. And I think majority of of um, you know people that are not into you know don't know the the fab side or the custom or the fabrication, how much materials are really? Um, some things are expensive. Some things are cheap, right? I mean. People can say, oh, this header works the same as this header. Yeah. The quality, it all depends how much you want to pay for quality. Yeah. And, and you definitely, you can see it. And some people, they'll make, they'll have to realize it in two or three items that they buy. And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm getting, I definitely have to save up for the quality. For the, for the quality stuff, yeah. But yeah, it's just like people would DM and I'd give them a price and not hear and it'd be crickets crickets and you're like it's a scene and then you never see <laughs> yeah, them yeah, yeah, you yeah, never yeah, see yeah, them again yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's the truth man but you know like people like yourself right. uh, the magazine industry yeah. now the digital sure right myself platforms such as the podcast right. it, it's gonna help somebody who listens mm-hmm. um, can if they choose to apply sure. it and then not make the same mistakes right. as others. And that's what it's about. Like it you is. said, if somebody reaches out and asks you for information, instead of you know kind of tapering or, yeah. or being a little like you need to go learn it yourself, you're like, okay, well, I'll share that. Yeah. And it's your way of yeah. helping them. It is. I mean, I've asked questions. Everybody yeah. Everybody, questions. Does, yeah. Everybody has some type of question that they want to know that they don't know, right? And it, like I said, if I know it and if I can help them out, even, even if just... I help them out by information. Yeah. Which the knowledge that I have, if I know it, then I'll share it. Yes. Because knowledge is very powerful, especially in anything, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be car, it doesn't have to be anything uh, specific, but I think sharing it is, is a lot more powerful rather than somebody keeping all that knowledge to themselves mm-hmm. and then just carrying it with them and then like, I don't want anybody to know. Yeah. It's like, why? Why not share it? It's like we're all humans. We're all, you know, knowledge is something that we can just pass on, right? Yes. If we wanted to. If we wanted If to. we wanted to, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, people hit me up on DM all the time. Like, really late at night, my wife is like, who are you talking to? Yeah. And it's like some random guy. I mean, I have people, like, hit me up from, like, Jakarta. Um, I, I don't even know how they see my name or how they find me sure. or like maybe through pictures and, and they're like oh I got tagged in something yeah um, and they're checking in on yeah, work they reach out I mean I think there was a guy in like Poland mm-hmm. um, you know he, you know I mean I get some guys in California hit me up yeah um, kind of everywhere around the state that's the power of the internet it, it is and I was just like some guy had me made him a um, it was a cash can overflow yeah and he was in Florida. Okay. And I'm like, you don't, do you have, you guys have fabricators there, right? He's like, yeah, plenty. 
plenty, but nobody is was wanting to just don't have time or don't just kind of brush me off. I see. And I was like, wait, what? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, I, I told him this is what I want. I drew a picture. I kind of gave him pictures of where I want to put it. And that's all I, I've sent it to them, and nobody got back to me. So he goes from Florida to the far top left, <laughs> northwestern region of yeah. the United States. To get it done. And to get it done. Upper left USA. And he was like, you know, and he, I told him how much it was. He yeah. was like, sent me the money the next day. When was this? I, uh, I think it was last, yeah, last year around November. So it's done. You did it? Oh, yeah. It was all complete. It was, yeah. yeah. You, said, just, I, you told him a price. He I said, okay, done. And you made it and yep. sent it to him. Yep. It was, you know, same. It was it was going to be on EK chassis. I mm-hmm. used my car as a uh, mock-up. Yeah. I sent him pictures, kind of, you know, and which I like to do. Like, I think any customer would like to get updates on things that they're being that are being built custom. Yes. You know, so I kept in touch and I said, hey, will this work? You know, well, this is what I have to do. And he just said, yeah, man, it looks perfect. And just kind of kept going from there. Yeah. Um, and I, I always like to do extra for anybody that doesn't want to trust me beautiful. With, with the work. Yes. You know, I, I try to not only go above and beyond, but give it my 120%. Yes. Uh, my wife's like, oh, is that going to, you know, take more time? Yes. Yes. But the, it's the effort that I put in that I feel like will take it to the next level and the person will appreciate it more well i that that amongst other parts of your of your you know your style your your work ethic etc that's what's made you been able to forge a reputation in so. the midst of all of these other people who some of them are just as good and right. were and were good before you yeah, right right and you've been able to find a solid you know place because of that work ethic right right and so you know, those are the types of things I respect, you know, from being self-taught, mm-hmm. right, all the way to just seat time and just get better, make mistakes, yeah. try, yeah. you know, and then that's what's led up to the point now where you have this backlog yeah. of, of work, yeah. you know, and that, 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 that speaks for itself, you know, yeah. right. and to see the next thing you do, the next car, yeah. the next part. Yep. I really look forward to that. Yeah. The evolution of your race car. <laughs> yeah, man. It, I, have, I do have a lot going on, but definitely I'm excited with, you know, it's just everything else is just time and money and yes. how much work you want to put in. Yes. Uh, and you know what? Honestly, you know, the time, time is everything. The time that we've had together here, I, I just, I really, really, really put effort into spending time with people that contribute positively to our community and our culture. Oh, yeah. And so you are one of them, and I, I feel really blessed to be able to, to have this episode come out on the, on the Think Bigger podcast. Uh, for everyone listening, I put a post on my personal IG. I will tag uh, Mike, and you can see and follow his work, see the different builds that we've talked about, his car, others, uh, you know, clients, and, and things like that. And you can have a real understanding of, of, yeah. of many of the things we've talked about visually. Yep. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening and being part of the community. Um, that's what Community Conversations Definitely. on the Think Bigger podcast is all about. So uh, all of Mike's information will be there in the post for you guys to follow and communicate with him, reach out for work, or just in yep. any capacity. Just say, just say hello, ask me anything. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. No and that's what we'll do. So you guys... We appreciate you, Mike. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for your time. And for everyone listening, we'll we'll see you on another episode of the Think Bigger podcast. Killed it. Killed it.